are in second, we are in First Thessalonians, and uh, we are we are now in chapter two. Uh, we just started this last week. Chapter one's not a real lengthy verse, a real lengthy chapter. We got all the way through it, and so let us let me uh, transition us to uh, chapter two, and we're going to be looking at verses one through thirteen this morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to First Thessalonians two. Starting at verse 1, uh, the scripture will be on the screen as well, but let's turn to God's word and ask for his blessing upon the reading of it. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Does that not resonate with what we just heard? That our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been mistreated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we made does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. We know we never, you know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority, instead we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we were proclaiming the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in in you who believe. And so this is God's word for us this morning. As we talked about uh, last week, just in terms of some review, Paul had only been with the Thessalonians three weeks. We get that from Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, it says that Paul and Silas went into Thessalonica after they had miraculously escaped prison in Philippi and it preached the gospel for three Sabbaths in a row. And at the end of three Sabbaths, uh, there were certain Jewish leaders that were upset with what was going on. They were jealous, actually, of the, how many people were coming to faith in Jesus, and they stirred up a mob to form a riot. And so in the middle of the night, Paul and Silas had to make a break for it. They had to sneak out of town, out of uh, Thessalonica, uh, fleeing for their own lives. And uh, 
And so those Jewish leaders that first started the riot now turn to these believers that had come to faith and they begin to speak negatively of Paul and Silas, saying, what a bunch of cowards leaving in the middle of the night like that. They're just like all the other phonies that come in town and leave as soon as they get what they want. They're a bunch of charlatans looking for power, looking for prestige, looking for some money, and they don't really care about you. If they would have cared about you, they would have stayed with you. And so they begin to attack Paul and Silas. And what we see here in this uh, passage is Paul comes to his own defense, so to speak. He, get, he says, hey, look, hey, just hang on a second. No, we weren't motivated by money or greed or, or, or power or anything like that. We had, uh, we had pure motives, longing for the gospel to be preached to you. We shared with you not only the gospel, but our very own lives, he says in this passage. And so Paul goes on to defend himself. But it is not, and the passage is very clear about this, he is not defending himself because he cares about his own reputation per se. He's defending himself because he knows if his reputation is destroyed, then the gospel message that he uh, has proclaimed loses loses its uh, power. And so what we see here in this passage is we see Paul's heart. In defending himself, he begins to describe why he actually does what he does. And what we see here is that he cares for them. In fact, uh, he says he cares for them so much that he was willing to face hardships and persecutions because he loved them so much. Verse 2, he says, With the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of opposition. I've entitled this sermon, using that word dare, a dare to care. And I believe that if God, if you want to make a difference in the world and you want to live a life that, will la- that makes a difference in, for eternity, it will primarily be found in how we care for one another. You and I have gone to enough funerals, and I, and I always hesitate. Like I, don't, I try not to go to funerals being judgmental. Obviously, I don't. But you can, you can tell lives that were lived in love for God and others. And so many times I walk away so inspired, just thinking, I want my life to count for something. And so we need to, uh, so this is what is before us this morning. The dare to care. The word dare here that Paul uses here is a Greek word that means uh, to speak freely, openly, fearlessly, that they were uninhibited in their care for those they loved. And that's what I want for all of us, to be uninhibited, to go out of our way to live lives that are lived in care for one another. If we are Christians, this ought to define who we are, to live in care for one another. Amen? We are called to be disciples of Christ. We are called to love like Christ loved. Now, I will recognize at the forefront the dare to care is hard. It is not easy by nature, we're selfish people. By nature, we don't uh, go out of our way to 
care for one another. And so the dare to care is a challenge for our hearts. Now, why is it hard? Well, one, I'll give a, just a couple reasons I think that are alluded to here in the text. The first reason is because it's emotionally draining. Any of you that have cared for someone that has, like, real needs, emotional needs, relational needs, physical needs, you know that it is emotionally draining. In fact, there is always the fear of burnout. We really give ourselves to one another. Uh, we, can, uh, we can wear ourselves out. And so there are times where we have to set up boundaries. But here's my challenge, to set those boundaries as wide as we can so that we can give ourselves as much, uh, give as much of ourselves as we can. Verse 8 in this passage says, here's Paul speaking, speaking for him and Silas, we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You see, he, he sought to share as much of himself as he could. And if we are to give ourselves to others, it means that we, that we're, if we are to give our, if we are to care for others, it means that we are giving of ourselves. It requires love. It requires patience. We enter into others' lives in their pain, in their frustrations, in their disappointments, and in, and in their hurts. And sometimes it can be emotionally draining. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. And so we, and so we pour out our lives. Now, along these lines, uh, I just want to give us one cross-reference that I think is helpful. 1 Peter 4, 11 says, If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I have found that to be a helpful verse, that when we give of ourselves and we just don't feel like we have any more strength to give, we're tired, we're worn out, we're burnt out to rely upon the Lord that He might give us strength. May we serve with the strength that God provides. A second reason, it may be emotionally draining. Secondly, it, uh, caring is hard because it requires self-denial. Again, the, the, the verses, I, I see this in verse 5 through 7. We know, uh, you know that we never used flattery. We had never built ourselves up, nor did we put a mask on to cover greed. We didn't seek to make ourselves look good. God is our witness. We were not looking from, for praise from people, not from you nor anyone else, even though the apostles of Christ could have, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we became like little children among you. It requires self-denial. In other words, it requires us uh, to, to give of ourselves, to not worry about our own reputation, but rather to seek to care for others. Romans 12 says we are called to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to weep with those who are weeping. And so the dare to care means that we enter into someone's life who is hurting. And I think of someone reaching out to a friend 
when they have lost a loved one. I think of those that I know that just simply meet up uh, for coffee with someone just to check in with them. How are you doing? No, I mean, how are you really doing? The answer can't just be, I'm okay, I'm fine every time. Because life is not always okay. It's not always fine. How are you really doing? I think of someone seeking to love a kid in your neighborhood because you know that that little boy, that little girl has a difficult home life. I think of reaching out to a struggling mom who feels like she's at her wit's end. I, feel, uh, I think of welcoming a new neighbor into your community to s- seek to help them feel welcome, to provide a new friendship. And so the, this is the dare to care. And I'm sure that, all, and I hope that all of you, even now, have coming into your mind ways and people that God is calling you to care for. It's going to look different for every one of us. There's no right, like this sermon has to be general and broad uh, on purpose because God will lay it upon your heart. We can't meet every need, but all of us are called to care. And so there is that dare to care, to ask, to listen, to be there, to pray, and then to follow up. Is there anything that I can do to help? We get a glimpse, as I've said, of Paul's heart in this passage. I think it comes out crystal clear in verses 3 and 4. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So let me give three things, and I'll admit right, right away here, I could have used these as my three points of my sermon. In fact, I am taking these directly from another preacher's three points. And so, but I just thought, let me read these briefly. Their message is true. Their message is true. He's entrusted with the gospel. May we speak the word of God. May we speak truth to one another. Secondly, their motives, I mean, their methods were above board. Their message is true. Their methods are above board. He's, uh, he says he's not trying to trick them. He's very straightforward. And I think our call to uh, care for one another, our, our methods are above board. And then lastly, our motives are pure. And so we check our hearts. God, how, are, how am I ministering? Is it to glorify self or is it to glorify you? All of this is, a, is applicable for all of us especially those of us who serve in leadership. So much of this, this passage, I've had to look at my own heart. But as, as a pastor, I was thinking about myself, but I was also thinking about those in our church that serve as deacons, those that serve on the board of directors, those that serve as growth group leaders or, or teachers or in some other capacity. May we check our hearts. Our, our, is our message true? Is our motives Are our methods above board? Are our motives pure? Are we seeking to serve God? John Stott puts it this way in terms uh, aimed at leaders. Happy are those Christian leaders today who hate hypocrisy and love integrity, who have nothing to conceal or be ashamed of, who are well known for who and what they are and who are able to appeal without fear to God 
and the public as their witnesses. We need more transparency and openness of this kind today. So may we pray that God helps us as a church, as leaders, in whatever uh, capacity we are, to be able to minister for His glory with pure hearts. And I'm especially, uh, and I'm especially touched by how Paul talks about how he sought to find his approval in God himself. Not in anyone else and what they thought of, but in God himself. And that's applicable for me. And maybe that's applicable for you as well. Are you motivated primarily by what others think of you or by what God thinks of you? Are you, uh, what drives you in your life? Is it so that you can please others? Or do we simply look to God to find our approval? I admit this is something that my wife is my accountability partner on this, so to speak. She says, hey, Corey, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You live for God alone. A couple verses along these lines that I found especially helpful. 2 Corinthians 10, 18. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. John 5, 44. How can, you, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? And so may we seek to find our approval from the Lord. Paul goes on to talk, use a couple analogies in this chapter about what it, how, how he is caring for others. The first analogy he says is he's like a mother. Verse 7, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Now that's a challenging one. A mother's love is unique, right? A mother's love is so caring for her children. I think of coming home and Chelsea's been on the floor all day playing with the kids and uh, just going out of her way to care for their needs. So uh, forgiving, so patient, so kind. In fact, the ESV, I like the way it translates this verse, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Such gentleness. And I think of our own care towards one another. Do we love one another that deeply? that we long for their good, that we're so quick to forgive, that we give so much patience, that we, are, that we seek to support them in the ways that we would support our own children. Now, I recognize there's, obviously, this is an analogy. There is a special relationship that you have with your own kids, but it's a challenge. That's the, the word I chose to summarize all of this, and I'm sure that it could be broader, but Caring for others like a mother, the word I chose was support. Because when I was thinking about my own mom, I'm just so thankful for the support that she gave. I remember her helping me with homework. I remember her helping me when I was struggling uh, in various ways, just there to support. And then Paul goes on to say, we loved you not only like a mother, but also like a father. In verse 11, he says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. I hope I'm like that with my own kids. 
encouraging, comforting, urging them to live lives that are worthy of God. And uh, I resonate with the idea of urging them to live lives. I love to try to just help my kids try to be the best that they can be, so to speak. I love practicing with Dawson, basketball and baseball. I, I quiz him on his mat. I love to give him like long, hard multiplication problems. Just see if he can do it in his head. I, I challenge him on memorizing verses. Yesterday, Kinsey and I were practicing their letters, uh, writing her letters, and I quiz her every week. Hey, what did you learn in children's church today? And so I love the idea of just trying to help them to grow and be better in whatever way they can. The word I chose for account, the word I chose for love, caring like a father, is accountability. Now, I recognize I'm stereotyping here that a mom provides accountability and a dad provides support, obviously. But I think, uh, but these two ideas, I think, go hand in hand as we think about caring for one another to provide support and accountability. Dad was, accountab- was my accountability when I was growing up. I can remember getting in trouble. And believe it or not, Pastor Corey was not such a good kid when he was growing up. I caused a lot of trouble. In fact, I remember I had a baseball one time, and I threw it through the kitchen window. Not from the outside, from the inside of the house. And I remember Mom saying, wait till Dad gets home, and being in fear the rest of the day. Dad was accountability. And I think as we seek to care for one another, we're seeking to support one another, and we're seeking to hold one another accountable, so to speak, because we ultimately want to see God's goodness in, uh, in one another's lives, right? We want to see God work in powerful ways to do uh, what, God, what is best for them. God's Word and what God teaches us, God's ways, I should say, are, what is, are, the, are the thing that we can share with others that is the most caring and loving act that we can provide provide support during difficult times, to provide accountability, to stay on the straight and narrow, and to seek God with all of our hearts. And that is where the Word of God comes in. I wanted to make one final point from this passage, and it's simply found in verse 13. And we also thank God continually because you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. This word, the Bible, has so much help in providing care for one another. It is in these words that we find the words of life. It is in these words that we can speak God's truth into someone's difficult situation, that they are loved that they are not forgotten, that they, that they are filled with God's peace and comfort in, as God's Word says, in ways that, tra- that uh, transcend all our understanding, that surpass our understanding, that God's peace invades our lives. God's Word is powerful. Ephesians, well, let me say this, first of all, just in summary, one of the most loving acts we, you can give someone is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it comes directly from the mouth of God and is useful for these things, for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so as we seek to care for one another, we seek to teach, we seek to rebuke when rebuke is necessary. That can be a caring thing. We seek to correct. We seek to train from righteous, for righteousness. We seek to encourage and strengthen and comfort and inspire. And God's Word is the strength. It gives all of these things and so much more. In fact, God says about His Word that it does not uh, go out from His mouth and return back to Him empty, but it will accomplish what He desires, the purposes for which He sent it. There is a challenge here for all of us this morning. The challenge of daring to care for one another. This week we have VBS at our church, and uh, my prayer is that we would be able to share the gospel with all of these kids and hopefully even build relationships with new families. That we would be able to uh, share the love of God with others and that we would be able to share God's Word with them. As I was thinking about this principle of one of the most loving gifts you can give to someone is the Word of God, I was thinking, as a pastor, this is uh, applicable for me. If I care for West Covina Christian Church, it means that I will, to the best of my ability faithfully, truthfully, with gentleness and love, uh, preach God's Word. Because I know that I will disappoint. That's inevitable. No, no pastor is perfect. No pastor is infallible. And I can't visit everyone as much as I want, and I can't uh, uh, counsel every need. But I can, as I said, by the grace of God, preach and teach God's Word. And that is a caring, loving act. So please pray for me. God would give me the ability to care and love in this way. And pray for all of us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be faithful to, one, the Word of God, and two, the people of God. That, those are the two commitments we find in this passage. One, to the Word of God, and two, to the people of God. So let me ask this question in conclusion. How is God calling you to care for others? Let's just in the um, quietness of our own hearts bow our heads and uh, close our eyes and put that before the Lord as we seek application. God, how are you calling me to care for others? And I'm going to pray that uh, God brings a, uh, a face or a group to your mind that God would, and maybe it's a group you're involved with already, maybe it's someone you've been meaning to reach out to. How is God calling you to care for others? How will you provide support and accountability? How might you be able to speak the truth of God's love, God's word into their lives? A dare to care is hard. But if we are to live lives that make a significant difference in the world today, we will seek to care for one another.
I said last week that First Thessalonians is a discipleship curriculum of sorts. Last week we looked at evangelism, and now this week we're looking at caring for one another. But may God give us grace that as we continue to work our way through this book, that He would help us to uh, form our hearts and our minds and our lives around the truth of His Word. Let's pray. Oh God, we recognize that this dare to care is hard. And uh, we can't do it in our own strength. But even as I look around this sanctuary this morning, I see so many uh, faces of people I know that are daring to care. And, uh, and it's hard. And maybe there are those here this morning that are tired or burnt out. And maybe there are those here this morning that need to be challenged in their hearts to turn to you and to rely on you for strength. And God, I pray that just by your Spirit that you would do the work that you see fit to do. We trust in you as our Heavenly Father that you know what is best for us that you ultimately are the one that provides support and accountability. And so we put ourselves in your tender, gentle hands and ask and pray that you would have your way among us. Give us strength to be the caring, loving people that you want us to be. And we look to you for all of this because only you can provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us. Thank you, Pastor Corey, for uh, really laying down that challenge from the Word. And as we uh, really take that in, as we process that, you know, as I was listening to Pastor Corey preach, that was really First uh, John 4, um, 19 came to mind. Just we love because he first loved us. And we have received so much love from God. And how, do, how can we care? How do we love those around us? And um, I, we just pray that God would fill us with that love that he's given us. So uh, let's worship him as we seek to proclaim his goodness, his love uh, to ourselves and those around us. I will declare my choice to the nations. I will shout for joy in the congregation. I will worship God. Worship God. All my days, those who love the Lord are satisfied. Those who trust in Him are justified.
Rather than a regular benediction today, I want to pray. Uh, first of all, pray for Pastor Darren, Renee, and their family. They're on vacation this week, so let's just pray God refreshes them and brings them back uh, with renewed energy. Pa- uh, uh, then also Andrew in, uh, and his family are on vacation as well. Let's pray for them. Andrew does a lot around this church, and we're very thankful for him. And then lastly, I want to pray for VBS, and I want to challenge all of you to pray every day this week that God's Word would go forth with power and that God would help us to reach little kids with the good news of Jesus and new families as well. So let's just pray that God's love is poured out uh, uh, in this place this week. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just want to come before you and we want to thank you so much that you give us strength, that your love endures forever. We thank you for who you are and how you pour out your spirit in our lives. And and we have nothing to offer except for what you can give. And so we thank you that that has been your will, that that has pleased you to look upon us and to approve of us, not because of our own worthiness, but because of the worthiness that is placed upon us through Jesus Christ. And so we thank you that we are your children and uh, for your love. And God, I pray that you would continue just to Bless us. Bless this church. I pray for Pastor Darren and his family this week that you would bless them on vacation and just re-energize them and fill them and may they have a great time as a family. I pray for Andrew and his parents and his family that you would just bless them this week as well. And God, now we come before you and we plead with you that VBS would be awesome this week and that we would see kids and families come to know you as their Savior and Lord. May we be that beacon that, uh, the, that the Sermon on the Mount talks about, that we shine your light brightly and may kids and families come to know you as their Savior and, the, and, your, and their Savior and Lord. And so, God, we bless every worker. We bless every kid that will be coming and may it all be used for your glory. And we pray that everything in our lives is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. May you go in God's grace.
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. 